possession. Noun. 1. The state of having, owning, or controlling something. 2. An item of property, something belonging to one. Possessed. Adjective. Completely controlled by an evil spirit. The term possession immediately conjures up visions of young women tied to beds being doused with holy water, screaming blasphemies while brave priests recite Latin passages. Like most things paranormal or supernatural, we are fed by the media, and that is what cements our understanding of these stories. And like most things paranormal, occult, or supernatural, what is fed to us through media could not be further from the truth. Tonight, XV Planis welcomes Janelle Deaton, known in many circles as the Curious Art Historian. Join us tonight for a preview of a much, much longer series that will premiere in 2022, in which we will break down the history and the reality of the concept of possession. It's a representation of pop culture, its importance in belief structures, and the real world documented cases of demonic, holy, and abstract possession. Welcome to XV Planets. Alright, friends, fiends, lovers of strange and wondrous things, welcome back to XV Planus. I am your host, Flood, and tonight I have a special guest with me, the curious art historian herself, Janelle Deetham. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited for this. We've been talking about this for a while. Oh, thank you, Flood. This is amazing. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a big fan of everything XV Planus has done and to have an opportunity to kind of geek out on a little bit of history that I normally don't get to. You don't have to butter me up. I'm a huge fan of your stuff, too. Now, speaking of which, would you uh, would you take a moment to uh, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm Janelle Deethelm. I am the Curious Art Historian. Uh, I have worked many years in sort of the art market worlds. I've worked in museums, auction houses, things like that, galleries. And I basically, during the pandemic, really missed opportunities to corner people in bars and cocktail hours and start telling them rattling off random facts about art history. So I started the Curious Art Historian to do that during the pandemic. And here I am, the universe put us together. And this is now I get to talk about the weird spooky things that I normally don't get to. Yes, absolutely. And uh, could you talk a little bit about that? The uh, the Curious Art Historian, like what that whole concept has grown out of the bars and into now? Absolutely. Uh, so it started out as in cornering people in the bars and it turned into uh, basically a series where I discuss art history. I make art history fun. I tell you the weird, the wild, the obscure parts that normally you don't get in Art History 101. And that's that's the fun of it. And those are the things I want to highlight uh, in my show. And that's and I can 100% verify that you do. Uh, guys, most of you know that I am on Fireside, uh, kind of use it as uh, the occasional pop-up for interaction with people or updates on some of the larger things that are going on. But one of the main reasons that I keep opening that app back up is because of Janelle's show. They are 
a whole lot of fun. And you should definitely check out the one that's coming up this, this Friday, right? Yeah, this Friday. It's uh, Northeastern uh, Witches, if you will, which is basically my way of wrapping all of Salem and general North New England type style witchcraft into one nice, neat little package, which and what, will not what, be so neat. But And what, what time is that going to be? 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Western uh, Pacific time. Uh, okay. Yeah, and you can find it. You can listen in on Fireside. You can go to my website at boozyarthistorian.com, and I have a live link there that you can listen into as well if you don't have the Fireside app. Yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get links out to uh, to all of your work in the show notes. Absolutely, I'm going to need you to to send that my way. Make sure I get all the links right. Um, but yeah, so uh, the uh, Fireside is essentially how Janelle and I cross paths, and um, we both have a, a, a deep and powerful uh, disdain for Puritans and a love of things that are a little creepy and off the cuff. So this kind of it, it blossomed into a beautiful friendship, and now. Here we are, and what are we talking about tonight, Janelle? Oh, we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, possessions. Um, this is, people always talk about that that internet meme sensation of like, why does a kidnapper return you after having you for two hours? This is it. This is my, this is the topic why they return me. It's because I won't stop talking about possessions <laughs> and, and how it's basically this huge the way the society focuses on uh, specifically prepubescent slash um, basically coming of age girls in history and that those are the most targeted women uh, for possessions, whether real or make-believe, which is then that sent me down a giant rabbit hole of what is a possession, what is real, what isn't, and what right. is all of that. You know, you you know far too well that rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. Hole. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to get to it uh, tonight, but over the course of some of the research that I've been doing lately uh, regarding uh, odd hauntings and incredibly intense potential possession slash hauntings, uh, there's there's a lot more to this than than most people think. And um, wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a believer, but I'm not saying that I don't believe either, because in some cases there might be something to it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm the same way as well. I always take things with a healthy dose of skepticism, but at the same time, I always look at it through the, the historical lens, uh, which I feel is what gives it, which I find fascinating, uh, looking through things in a historical lens as how we as a society function and think and move, if you will. Oh, absolutely. No. And it makes you a, a great sleuth. I've, uh, I've seen that in your work, um, so far, uh, so, so speaking of, of like perception of it and the history of it currently right now, it kind of seems like we, um, as a, a general society, uh, because I think the vast majority of us are we're really kind of out of touch with the concept of, uh, spirituality or, or things that lie beyond, uh, we often go to pop culture for references of this. You know, you, you get your standard movies, um, your, your, Midnight popcorn flicks, or occasionally true great works of art like The Exorcist. Absolutely, which I mean, that's I think very much. You've talked about it a couple times actually in your um, Friday film nights uh, on Fireside, which have been absolute delight to listen to. Love, love chatting about horror films, and absolutely, I, this is actually where it stemmed from because I can't tell you how many films I watched 
And I was like, well, of course, it's going to be the young coming of age girl who's going to get possessed like mm-hmm. no one else, of course. Although that being said, I there are films out there that prove this theory wrong. But I would say the majority are very much we see with the exorcist, um, the first two conjuring films, mm-hmm. um, the exorcism of Emily Rose. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I could go on forever. It really is interesting. No, you're, you're absolutely right. All, although it's. So it's interesting to me when we're looking at through the, uh, the, like before we start diving into like the true historical side of it, while we're looking at it through this uh, spoon fed pop culture lens that we have right now, um, you're right. There is definitely a considerable amount of uh, sexism, like regarding the roles and how it plays, because you know what, Uh, but by the way, this is a, a, this is definitely an explicit podcast. So just to (laughs) be fair warning, uh, because of fucking Hollywood. You know, always just trying to play <laughs> off of the the cheesiest, lamest, most shallow things that there are. But when you start to do the research into the history and like the reality of it, you find that it's pretty well balanced. Like there are just as many cases of uh, men showing signs of possession with some really intense cases as there are women. But even back then and... Um, the... Uh, God, the nuns of... I'll come back to that big one. Uh, but even back then, people still sensationalize any of the cases that were focused around women. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And 100%. It's, if you even do a quick Wikipedia search on any of the films, the famous films on possessions, you'll find that it actually isn't just women. Uh, but I think it brings up a really interesting point that we see this time and time again with Hollywood. And this is where I get up on my little soapbox and I'm like, Oh, right. Hollywood loves to hate women. Um, oh, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, go on. Let me push that soapbox a little bit higher for you. <laughs> All right, go you. do it, do it, do All it, do right. it. Yes. Hollywood hates women. Let me say it again. Hollywood, Hollywood hates, hates women. women. Absolutely. I mean, we as a society love to hate women. Hollywood loves to just, push that to the next level i yep. mean absolutely and completely and i think that's why i'm so fascinated by this idea of um these films especially now that we're in spooky season we're getting close to halloween we've got to watch all our classics the exorcist <laughs> you know what i mean like those are that's a holiday you have to watch the exorcist come halloween season like it's not really halloween until you watch the exorcist uh, october 1st it's what i did to treat myself yeah. exactly I myself like to save it for the last week of October. That's right. All the really good films go. I just like binge watch all the classics the last week of Halloween, like October. It's ugh, amazing. It's what I have, do. You, have you gotten around to seeing a dark song yet? Yes. What a great film. Great film. Ugh, yes. Love it. Yeah, truly. Uh, and uh, surprisingly deep and uh, human um, in its its storytelling in comparison to other horror films that deal with occult practices. But yes, that's that's a whole other conversation. I which, was uh, say, I think we need to be careful on that way because we could spend forever and ever just talking about that part, occult practices in film um, and the history of all of that, which is. Dangerous. Well, I no, that's that's <laughs> definitely something I uh, like. I am currently doing an ongoing series with, uh, which you're welcome to join in at any time. I'll let you know what the subjects are, and if uh, if one strikes a chord with you, come on in and talk about it because I have 
rotating people coming in. And the concept is we talk about magic in media and that can range anything from music to film to painting to poetry, you know. I love that. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever you're, whenever you'll have me, I'll be there. Um, because right. it is, this is, you know, I love to talk about spooky things and normally us art historians and historians aren't really big into the spooky, uh, unless you find the rare uber nerd, if you will, in which case they do, they love, uh, I've come across a few of those in my time in art. World I don't know. I, I disagree. Art. You're actually the fourth art historian I've ever met and they all seem to love the creepy shit. So oh, I must be hanging out with the wrong crowd. I need to reevaluate <laughs> my priorities, man. I'll introduce Actually, I'll introduce you to some of them. Absolutely. But yeah. back to the subject in hand. So, so that was, th- this is the perception that we have on it now. You know, the the media, the movies, the television series, the, you know, fun things that make us go bump in the night. Um, but let's let's talk about a little bit more of the the history and the reality of it. And and I'm I'm wondering, out of curiosity, can aside from you know, like biblical stories and, and folklore, uh, do you by any chance know what the first uh documented case of possession was? I I actually cannot remember off the top of my head. There is one, um, and it was back, I believe. I mean, it goes. That's what's really fascinating is the idea of possessions go back forever, right? It's I would say so far as even it, so back as pre um, pre Christ, if you will. So I want to. I always like to use the terms common era rather than uh, rather around Christian eras. Um, All right. So for those who don't know it, uh, some people refer to it as BCE instead of AD or BC and then things like that. Um, CE is common era instead of AD. Um, but it is, I mean, it's really fascinating. I mean, across Europe, if we're even just talking in Western culture and just in Western history, it, this goes back medieval eras easily as yeah. this idea of possession. Um which is fascinating because then you start getting into all kinds of really interesting thoughts uh, and understanding the cultural history as well, too. Not only material culture, but sort of um, psychological culture of societies, which is really fascinating. And that's a really good point. And actually, one of the, the more impressive dynamics of this, looking at it at like a, a global and a um, you know multi-belief way, is that we... Uh, when the term like possession or in particular uh, demonic possession comes out, people immediately think Roman Catholics are Christians, right? But if you actually go back and look through belief structures through history, uh, there are accounts of this long before Christianity ever came along. Um, yes. You know, yeah, much more uh, ancient uh, belief structures believe that it was totally plausible for an entity to take them over. Now, Absolutely. I think there might be something, and, and we'll, we'll uncover this as we continue to go through our research, but I think there might be something to say that uh, whenever the Crusades hit and, and Christianity got all like super freaking violent, uh, I think there might have been some twisting of that because in other cultures, more often than not, the act of being possessed or, or having a, a possession experience was actually much more of a euphoric and jovial one. You're consumed by the, uh, you know, the source energy or the center or whatever, if you will. Um, yeah. And I, I might 
totally be talking out of my ass, but I, I do think that, <laughs> but, but, but I do think there seems to be something to that. And you know what? I'm going to work on that. And I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I think you've touched on a really good point though. And I think that is worth noting is very much, um, it's very difficult, and this is something that we see time and time again, especially in uh, Christian faith, is that a lot of the times we as people are not supposed to, we as worshipers are not supposed to perform magic. That is not part of us. We are normal people. We are supposed to go about our day-to-day lives. But then somehow at the same time, it's this catch-22 because that's what saints are. They're people who perform magic. Mm-hmm. It's essentially what it is. And so we as worshipers, if you will, are caught in this this catch-22. You can't, you're not going to win no matter what you do. And so I think it is really interesting if you think about it in the sense of saints, right? A lot of the saints supposedly talked in tongues or um, there are saints known to have been spoken to by the God himself or herself, whoever you believe. I am myself, I'm not a religious woman. Everything I know about religion basically comes from our history. <laughs> so, food is my religion. That's where I am in life. <laughs> I'm somewhere between um, Hawking, Leary, and Crowley, <laughs> uh, but I am not a power bottom like uh, Crowley was. So <laughs> definitely, no, no. Oh, Crowley, that that man, that is what an tight. asshole! And oh, uh, boy, do we, we I mean what there. an asshole! <laughs> <laughs> we won't, we won't go there. Today. There's not enough time. Um, but no, absolutely. And I think that in itself is that there is something to be said about, in general, I think it all boils down to very much our fear as people, as a species, the fear of the other. And this fear of the other manifests its way through our lives in different forms. And whether it's physical, psychological, those exist. And we see this as a manifestation, whether physically or psychologically, with possessions. It, mm-hmm. This is a manifestation of that, this fear of the other. Um, a lot of times we see this actually in Puritan cultures, right? Like this idea of possession or things like that. That is basically sparked from fear. I mean, of course, this is not like just a blanketed belief that like, oh, because you're scared or because someone's scared, they're putting a, you're now possessed. There's well, I mean, there's that was pretty, about it. Yeah, that was pretty much a tone throughout all of Puritan Christianity was fear, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, those Sorry, poor people were scared. No, they were scared shitless. I mean, this is an explicit podcast, so I can say that very freely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But that's, I mean, let's think about it. These are the people who are so boring that they got kicked out of England. Not that I'm trying to hate on England, but like, let's think about that for a minute. Yeah, you but it's, yeah. We're like, you're a stick in the mud. Be gone. Like, go off. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you need, leave that's us alone. Thing. As conservative as England was at the time, for you to get asked to leave because you're too fucking conservative is, man, that's a whole lot of sticks up a whole lot of asses. And, and exactly, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it cracked me up. I, they were they were they were uh, persecuted because they were so fucking boring. <laughs> they were so imagine plunking those people into a new, uh, basically it's. America has been discovered many times over by this point that the Puritans show up, right? Like, I think it would be mm-hmm. very much as a historian, I'd be remiss to be like, oh, yes, the Puritans showed up and they discovered America. No. no. Even the the word discovered is very problematic. And I have a lot of issues with that word in itself. I mean, um, we already know that uh, Leif Erikson traveled over, exactly. right? 
Yeah. And isn't there even proof of even earlier cultures coming over as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. The, the history of it from the sense of an archaeological perspective is absolutely fascinating. Um, and it's it just shows time to time again that like absolutely the English and like the Dutch and the French were not the first people to come to America at all. It's It goes beyond that. And it, it's really, I mean, that in itself is a, an entire episode of just let's talk about who quote unquote discovered America. Again, that word is problematic. Uh, but, <clears throat> yeah. Writing it down. <laughs> there you go. That's our next, our next <laughs> thing. Um, absolutely. No, but I think that means that, right? So you take these people who are just absolutely, like, constantly, like, very conservative, very deeply, like, set in their own ways. You plunk them into a strange land where they know no one. They know nothing. This is all very terrifying to them. And, I mean, there's so many studies that have been done on this as well, too, is idea of how dark and terrifying you don't know where you are it's pitch black outside at night and you run the risk of i mean just thinking about it in the sense of animals trying to kill you wolves things like that you have real flora and fauna which are trying to kill you and then on top of that you have an indigenous population which also is like we're here to help you but also like be nice to us otherwise we will in fact like use you to our advantage slash hurt you it is and, almost I mean, the, uh, it, it is, it, to put it in like modern sense, it is almost like going to a whole different planet. Absolutely. It, yeah. It's, they were the colonizers of Mars, basically. That's what they were. But not, I mean, let's be realist. Like, again, I trust that that statement is always problematic to me and I really struggle with a, a different way to say it. So if anyone knows anything, please reach out to us. Like, I need to know a different way to say this because it bothers me. But absolutely, they... They've landed on Mars. That's what they've done when they've come to America. They've landed on Mars. And they're like, cool, I don't know what's happening, but this is ours now. And it's like, no, but okay, cool, fine. Oh, there's um, other we'll people indulge. here? That's yeah. okay. We'll indulge. Um, which, I mean, that is it, that in itself, the relationship that indigenous cultures had with Puritans and sort of these European um, visitors, if you will. Mm. Uh, they there was very much an interesting dynamic between it all. There are really fascinating books out there that I would recommend to anyone who is intrigued by that relationship. Um, well, if you have any suggestions documents. for our listeners, like please supply a list. I'll put it in the notes for everyone. Oh, absolutely. I have so many books there. Your poor listeners are going to be like, don't have Janelle on again. We don't want to read. We don't want homework. Please stop. Yeah, um, somehow I, 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 I think you're really wrong about that, but you said, uh, what, what was one of your favorites you were going to say? Oh, it's a book called Changes in the Land. The author's name is totally escaping me at the moment, but it is by far one of my favorite reads. Uh, it's a historical text. Um, it's brilliantly done. And this author goes about and he just basically talks about how the sort of the actual nature, the flora and fauna changed, not only with the indigenous tribes, like population using and utilizing and changing the natural flora and fauna to the various regions they inhabited, but also like how it changed once the Europeans arrived as well too, and how that dynamic between indigenous and European made further changes to the land. And I think it's mm -hmm. so fascinating for anyone who's into environmental science stuff, but may not be interested in history. This is your cup of tea. It's a really great book. All right. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely send me the notes on that. Um, if you can, uh, if we're going to put together a bibliography, help me find the links just in case anybody wants to like go straight to them. Absolutely. Um, 
Most, I will tell you that most of our listeners do. Uh, if we reference any books, they tend to get a lot of hits. So I love um, it. If anyone is anyone who likes books is a good person in my book. <laughs> so many books. Read more people, even if that means turning me off. Yeah, I know, um, right. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is one of those things. It's like I don't want to put myself out of business, but absolutely, go read more books, people. Uh, but yeah, it's. So I think it's very interesting. And we've got this whole fear perspective, bringing it back to the possessions, right? And mm-hmm. this fear and this, the Puritans were just wrecked with fear constantly and perpetually. And so it, I think that's very important to bring that in when discussing things like possession, specifically when it comes to American film. I think we can't, we really can't argue that these Puritan ideals really have not seeped into American culture and affected how Hollywood tells stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting to see how that whole um, let's just call it a machine works uh, when it comes to regarding this subject matter, and um, you know, in, in particular, a, a lot of the ones that are put out there that uh, claim to be based on true stories, uh, so much is changed. It, it's just. There's so much more to this. Like the more you look into it, there's uh, there's this mixture of um, mental state, belief structure, uh, living structure, and um, basic you know basic points of life that seem to be a mixture for some people to have this happen to them. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like all right, so, well, while possession was something that was kind of a part of all belief structures in one form or or another. And I mean, you can look into Tibetan and Hindu beliefs all the way down to Christianity to uh, Muslim and um, Judaism. It's all there. Like it it shows Mm -hmm. up in all of them. So, but, but the rites of exorcism, that was a Catholic thing, right? Like that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the whole idea of an exorcism is very Catholic in its origin. And from my understanding, at least, again, I am not a religious person. I am not from a religious background. So I personally can't say I've never attended a Catholic mass, actually. So I, I don't Hail want to... Satan. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So the whole thing is that from my understanding and from my what I've learned is that it very much it is a Catholic thing. Um that being said, I'd be curious. I know in other religions there are um, various, I don't want to call them, they're, they're just other versions of exorcisms, basically, for lack of a better way to put it. They, every religion seems to have something in which to make someone no longer possessed. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it, Judaism, things like that, they also have it. Um, the name is The name of that movie is completely escaping me at the moment, but it has um, really solid oh. cast in it. Oh. And it's a young girl and they're Jewish and she becomes possessed. Again, think, a young coming of age girl. I think it's just possessed. Or... I think it is actually. I think that's the name of the film. It's possessed. Um, and it's, it, it is, it's not American, right? Yeah. You know, it's a, uh... it is American. It's American based, but it's Jewish faith rather than uh, I would argue Christian faith. You're not talking about the Dybbuk box movie, are you? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so that's Possession. I got another one to send to you. Uh, Ooh. 
Possession was okay, but I personally, like as a paranormal investigator, had a little bit of problems with that because we all found out that this true story, the whole Dybbuk box thing, all a joke. Yeah, right. Like, I, absolutely. I mean, again, or at least the, the start, story like, that the even, movie was based off. Uh, yeah, even if you anyone who gives these movies a quick like Google search will see that th- they're not really based. It's all kind of Hollywood glam um, added on to it. But I mean, there was another film that just came out recently by the same director who did uh, Babadook, and it was the same idea of. Um, but again, it was a Jewish faith. And this, it's a really terrifying movie that just came out. It really was like, I was at the edge of my seat during most of it. It was very good. And I cannot remember the name of it now. No, not nothing's coming to mind. It was basically the premise is that a gentleman comes to sit Shiva for uh, a deceased uh, person who he's not related to. And very odd things start happening in the house. And it's very creepy. And very, if you liked the Babadook film, you would love this. It is. That was so a phenomenal good. film that that it really was. So was. Yeah. Now that, that being said, before we uh, start shifting gears into some more meat and potatoes, uh, parts of this <laughs> subject that we're tackling tonight, let's, let, let's briefly touch on some of the, uh, the pros and cons of possession in pop culture. Right. Oh, yeah. So we, we've, we've got the exorcist, which, um, while it unfortunately falls into that tropes of, oh, young teenage girl who is, you know, going through puberty, which always seems to be a big part if you're talking possession of youth. Uh, Puberty seems to keep coming up over and over and over again, right? So it's actually the ones that uh, where possession happens, um, like in their late 20s, early 30s, those are the ones that fascinate me more. So uh, The Exorcist, while truly fascinating and a truly effective horror film, uh, even that was still an over-dramatization of what actually happens during an exorcism. And uh, if I can find the right clips to share, I will actually share some of the live exorcisms that I've been able to track down. Um, they're really interesting to watch. I, I got to admit, it's it's not quite as scary as you would think. It's actually... Like, uh, at this point, in the modern sense of an exorcism, uh, a priest or shaman or, or, you know, whatever is coming in to help somebody who has a, a deep, deep faith in their belief. And if their deep, blind, total dive into their faith belief opens up the doors for possession and things like that, then you could have a really bad week and all of a sudden your mind just starts going to weird places. <laughs> and so often the priest knows that sometimes it's a psychological game, a uh, game, you know, it's a, it's a way to help them rewire their thought processes, which is something we'll get into like way further down the line. In case I haven't told you ever since you brought this subject up, I'll show you the book pile next time. It's, it's getting nuts. <laughs> <laughs> More books. Um, so you got the Conjuring series, which again falls into the tropes of uh, women being the ones who are most easily subjected to the influence. In the first one, it turned out to be the mother. Mm-hmm. And in the second one, it was a daughter. Uh, props yeah. to them for taking on one on uh, Conjuring 3 where they focused on a male. Thanks yes, for breaking the cycle, absolutely. guys. Well done. That was great. Now... 
Exorcism of Emily Rose, you brought that one up earlier. And uh, the first thing that I want to say is and it's an okay movie. It's not bad, <laughs> but it's not great either. It's it's not the exorcist, but well, you can't be the exorcist if you're PG thirteen. It just doesn't I, fucking work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is too true. But too true. The, the thing that drove me nuts about that, and actually, uh, to be honest, uh, Janelle, this that movie is the story that made me want to look into the reality of the situation. So when I saw Exorcism mm -hmm. of Emily Rose based on a true story, and I'm watching this, I'm like, so wow, this happened like not too long ago. Should be pretty easy to document and figure it out. And it took, this is before the internet was like the, the thing that it is now. So you really had to go to some weird places to get all of your sources. <laughs> before the um, Google was the Google. No, very much true. Yeah, yeah. This is before Google truly became Google. I think it was out there, but it had not fully blossomed into the behemoth and mind-controlling device that we all have right now. All hail the Google. I mean, listen, absolutely. You know me. You know I have a tinfoil hat theory on Google, <laughs> but absolutely. And that being said, do I use Google every single minute of every single day? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Where would my life be without Google's? It shambles. Absolutely. absolutely. Completely. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose is actually, so it, it kicked off my interest because when I saw a true story, I was, okay, great. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And it took months of me searching and asking around to finally get the information that it was not based on some Midwestern white girl who was, uh, you know, like going to uh, some nice college who came from a farming community. Although some of the lifestyle things that they showed are pretty similar to what the real character's life was. Mm. The woman's name was Annalise Michelle, and that happened in Germany. And yes. that was truly something else have you have you ever listened to the tapes oh they're creepy i don't know if i have the guts to listen to them to be honest i may have to plug my ears if you do play them like i just well i'll I uh, creepy, no. but up to a certain point i'm a bit of a baby as well too about it so i'm not I'm, gonna play them on the show or if i do i'll do it like on a uh, closing comments after we've wrapped up this mm -hmm. this dive into it um but i will post links to it in the show notes and i i gotta tell you folks it is it is something else. It um, it'll mess with you. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> well, we we are like a, 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 a right around the bend from Halloween. So I mean, we're less than T minus seven days from Halloween. Oh, it, man, it's happening. Wait. What are you doing for Halloween, by the way? Anything special? Uh, no, actually, I am going to hide in my house and pretend that I'm not home so I can eat all the candy I bought for the neighborhood kids. That's that's my big plan. How about you? I know you've got probably go, something super exciting. I'm gonna go get possessed. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, how about not? Because I don't know any. I mean, maybe we could find a path with like some priest to like <laughs> perform an exorcism. But again, there has to be a belief system involved, and I got nothing. So like, you're on your own. Uh, uh, believe it or not, is you know, um, so. Uh, on the 30th, we have the death fair, which is kind of, um, right. yeah, somewhere along the lines of um, Day of the Dead, but uh, a, a little bit more broad in culture. So we look at all different cultures and how they handle death. 
the brass band is going to go there and do kind of like a New Orleans funeral march, and then we're going to play mm. celebratory songs afterwards to uplift spirits. So I love it. On They're Halloween amazing. proper, I'm going to stay in my pajamas all day. I'm going to drink coffee with Bailey's and start yeah. editing and doing the finishing touches on this backlog of 12 episodes that I have to get through. I know you have so much going on this season, which is great. I love it. I'm so excited to listen to all of it. Uh, so thank you. It makes me doubly appreciative that you're having me here and doing this and having our discussion on possessions during your very busy uh, season. I don't know this. No, this is perfect because, uh, the episode that I recorded before this, and you don't know this yet cause it hasn't been released. Um, uh, the topic was with a close friend of mine from Indianapolis and it was, uh, invitation and initiation. Oh, that. So it actually good. fit directly into what we're talking about here. Uh, Which and is, absolutely. And also speaks to like the next five field, field experiments that I have lined up. So oh, yeah. that's going to be so cool. Although I, again, I don't, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to start scoping out priests. Should we need a priest for your possession? Uh, I don't know I'm, no, I'm, I'm already on it. I got people. a long, no, I got a long list of, uh, Priests, rabbis, uh, shamans, and psychics and mediums who are, I'm good. Trust me. You've got I'm, the months beat down perfect. I, like, I have, pin, I have been planning for this part of my life for a very long time. If someone paints now, a painting on this and then like buries it and I come back to it a hundred years later, then I would be interested. Then I could help you. But until then, I got nothing. So. Well, that's interesting you say that because we're going to be trying some uh, automatic writing and painting experiments at the Sally House. Ooh. Oh, that's going to be fun. You know, I am such a sucker for Hilma off Klimt and all of those automatic writings and drawings. Like Spare, man. Uh, all right, but that's a yes. whole other episode. We'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah, we, we, right, we so digress. Gonna, we digress. Yeah, you digress. I'm going to reel it back in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this now is typical, the note, though. Anytime we're in a room together, this happens. So. All right. But this is what makes it so much fun. So uh, the, the Annalise Michelle case was really what truly inspired me to look deeper into the concept of uh, possession and, and things like that. And it most certainly opened up my mind into the concept of human psychology and all the different facets that has. But when you sent me the notes for this, you actually threw one at me that uh, didn't ring a bell. But actually, so Clara Germana, Seal uh, or Sile? It beat me. Um, was this I, the uh, was this the young woman who it was her and her five kids? So she's the one who is the uh, six year old girl from South Africa who was possessed. Um, okay, she supposedly made one. a pact with Satan, um, which caused her demonic possession, uh, which I think is, I mean, that in itself, the idea of young coming of age girls making pacts with the devil. Uh, I, th this is also coming off the coattails of me just having watched The Witch, uh, which is such a great film and like one of my absolute favorites come spooky season. Yes, uh, absolutely. It's, just, it's such a great film, uh, but it is. I mean, it's so much. Um, of this idea and I 
it's really funny there have been memes going around on the internet that like girls young girls sleepover parties usually involve some kind of demonic like activity like usually put out tarot cards or you do the ouija board and like boys Mm -hmm. are all having their sleepovers just beating the crap out of each other with pillows and it's like yeah playing in tinder (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was definitely like i know for a fact the sleepovers i had as a young girl that was very much something one did you pulled out the tarot cards you've got the ouija board you like set you played bloody mary in the mirror that's what you did you know what i mean that's absolutely i mean i i don't expect you to have too many all girl sleepovers in your life. Okay, no, no, absolutely. No, 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 no. To rebuttal that, I got to say that I was the one who always get picked on at all of the uh, the sleepovers in my younger years. But when I hit my teenager years and I embraced my goth side, oh yeah, that's all it was. What are you doing Friday? Nothing. You want to go hang out in the cemetery and break out the Ouija board? Yeah, man, totally. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was it for us. Yeah, I love that. But this is a nice reminder to anyone listening out there: the goth kids—they're not the ones you got to worry about. They're pacifists. You got to worry about your jocks. Yeah, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail for that, but honestly, I really don't care. Listen, the goth kids are the good kids, absolutely and completely. They're the ones that are holding the line from letting Christmas get all the way into summer. This point for the commercial. What the hell, man? Hold I gotta on, say, kids. so so I gotta wonder if it's just the supply chain problems we're having this year. But I'm I still am not seeing Christmas decorations yet. <gasps> well done, you. Uh, the Target near me has like it's pretty much cleared out at this point. It's now no longer Halloween. It's now like straight up just Christmas. Um, which I am I am a that's basic, disgusting. I am a basic woman. I love me some pumpkin spice everything which again i have qualms with again we love to hate women in our society oh, God damn it. no sorry um, no this fucking conversation is over i can't fucking <laughs> <laughs> well it's been nice knowing you all that's a that's that's, uh, yeah, the no, that's a friendship breaker all. right there <laughs> <laughs> i mean listen how do you okay we're nah, not gonna go on this own. tangent but just know just google this history of pumpkin spice and how women were using it and how it's been kind of morphed into today's use of pumpkin spice. It's a fascinating history, really fascinating okay. look into our culture as a society, specifically in America. Um, absolutely just interesting. And again, we love to hate women. We as a society love to hate women. Um, I don't hate women. I just hate pumpkin spice. <sighs> pumpkin spice. Like I magic. actually, I, I don't hate pumpkin spice. I hate pumpkin spice lattes, and I hate pumpkin spice air fresheners. Uh, let's and I'm also not good with it in my beer. Okay, that's fair enough. Pumpkin and beer is where I definitely have some qualms. But yeah, I love I love a pumpkin scent. I love a pumpkin spice. I will I will drink all of the ones that you don't have, not the candles. I will burn all those candles. I will not drink them. <laughs> Just as a forewarning. Okay, so whenever I do finally make my way up there, then I'm bringing my pasta machine, and I'm going to make you my roasted pumpkin and butternut squash ravioli. Now oh, that's a way done. I can get behind pumpkin. So absolutely, pumpkin is a delicious food, and I will fight anyone who says otherwise. It's, it's right. Great. I know jack o' lanterns are scary, but let's get back to the real scary shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's, let's pumpkins. stop digressing once again. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna have to look into uh, to Clara. That's that's a new mm-hmm. one on me. Yeah, you know. it's it's really really interesting. Um, 
specifically because it also it touches a lot on this a lot of other things that we see common threads speaking of other languages um this idea of clairvoyance um the extraordinary strength which which, by the way yeah, there, there's like a series of four or five very specific things that in particular the Catholic Church looks for um, to to verify it being an actual possession. Now, we're not going to go into that here because the mm-hmm. further we dive into this, we're going to we're going to break down each doctrine one by one and we'll we'll look at it much deeper. Um, but yes, there there are several like basic um, observation points that a uh, potential exorcist has to verify before they move forward with the ritual and then even get it cleared with the Catholic Church. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And that is, I think that's a very important thing to know. And I mean, absolutely, that we will get to later down the road. Um, but it is, it's good to preface with that. I mean, they do, they have a whole laundry list of like what counts as a possession, what isn't a possession. I mean, literally to be possessed is to be owned by something. So how do you like sort of suss out good possessions versus again, this idea of like, well, saints technically were being spoken to by God or God flowed through them. So how is that Mm. different than a satanic possession? Exactly. It's very difficult. And it's a really interesting gray area in religion and i mean i don't know about you but i'm desperately trying to find religious people to ask that of and get a straight answer from it's it's hard because i've i've already been doing the same thing um i'm sure that by the time we actually hit that point in the series that we'll probably have several resources to pull from i can promise you that yeah no no (laughs) i uh because i'm i know i'm really like i have no problem walking into every uh catholic church in the triangle and be like Exorcist, 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 you mess with demons, you, you rough with the devil, anything, no, no, you, you, weird guy in the corner, come with me, come with me, come with me, (laughs) and then I'll just go to every other, yeah, nothing's gonna stop me, not even the devil, devil ain't got shit on me. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you could always just fight them in a contest with a fiddle, and there you go, you're set. I have a rebuttal for that, but that's actually maybe even like a little too perverse for my own show. So I'll tell you about that one later. (laughs) (laughs) How do you handle the devil? You grab him by the horns and you. Yeah. 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 Anyway. (laughs) So. uh, Absolutely. I think it is. So much of this is understanding that possessions are live, they thrive in these gray areas. It's not black and white. And it's really, really fascinating once you start getting into it and this whole catch 22. And the, it's constantly in religious like texts and things like that. What is a good possession? What is a bad possession? What's okay? What isn't? What do we look down on? What should we be mm-hmm. concerned about? And how frequently, again, do we see Hollywood being like, oh, it's the preteen girls it's this is it this is is that's what sells tickets that's you know that's why they do it which actually uh that actually directly leads into uh the the next subject that you suggested that we talk about regarding like real world possessions ronald doe yes or uh robbie manheim or whatever moniker you want to give him because uh i i 
I've come to understand just recently in the last couple of days, as a matter of fact, that Ronald is his real first name, but his last name will never get uh, released. Really? I didn't even realize Ronald was his real name. I thought it was all fake. That's interesting to know. Yeah. So Ronald Doe was a 14-year-old boy who uh, apparently had a case of demonic possession. And what most people don't know is that this particular case, what happened with Ronald Doe, Robbie Mannheim, whoever you want to call him, this was the actual inspiration for The Exorcist. So a lot of uh, what went on with Ronald Doe uh, is very, very similar, although like hyper compressed into a a two hour movie um, of something that actually went on for months and months and months. Um, So that's why The Exorcist is so intense. But the vast majority of strange things that happen in The Exorcist, with the exception of the head spinning around, uh, (laughs) most of that actually happened. but. It was all very, very slow. It wasn't like this hyperkinetic possession case. It uh, it was actually, it was a really, really interesting story to read. And uh, you know what? As a matter of fact, I'll give a shout out to Astonishing Legends right now because uh, just this last weekend, they released a uh, part one of a multi-part series on this particular case. And, yes. Right. And they brought in an author who apparently like devoted years to documenting this thing and like piecing all the pieces together. Um, I'm very interested to see how that turns out, but yeah, it was, uh, it was not a young girl. It was a young boy, 14 years old. Uh, but a lot of the things that you see in the film crawling up the walls and, uh, uh, superhuman strength speaking in languages that are, they're dead. Like all of that happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's really, really fascinating. And again, the fact that Hollywood took it and turned it into a young, young girl is really in itself really, really interesting. And um, this whole sexualization, if you will, of it is mm-hmm. also like, I wish Hollywood would stop doing that. But it's sex sells. There's a reason that's a saying. So. It's- right. But, you know, you, you find the uh, the ones that are brave enough to kind of flip it. And and kind of branch that out. The uh, the cases that come out of it are pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I ended up watching The Conjuring three two times, and the first time I wasn't necessarily impressed with it overall as a film because it didn't really seem to have the same intensity as the previous two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the second one, that is actually what stood out to me the most is that they they didn't go for the mom or the sister; they went first just some hapless 21 year old who is just, you know, wandering through life. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't doing anybody, anything, any harm. He was just living his best life. Well, more or less. I was trying to. Yeah. He was giving it a good go, which is. Did you ever happen to do a deep dive on that actual case? Like the, the reality of it, not just the film. No, actually, I haven't gotten around to that yet. Um, it's on my list of things to read. I, as you know, I've got a stack of books constantly sitting next to me at all times that I'm powering through. Whenever you get to that one, let me know. We'll uh, we'll do a dive into that film and kind of break it apart. It was a great. Yes. F- I mean, it was a fun flick. Don't get me wrong, but they. I mean, it was just it, it, that's not what happened. So 
Yes, I know it is. It's definitely something I've always been a bit apprehensive in applauding the sort of conjuring series and universe, if you will, because I mean, there are a lot of things that I find problematic in once you start digging a little deeper into it. Uh, yeah. But that being said, I still love the film, still watch the crap out of them all the time. Oh, yeah. but. but you start looking into Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. They were just all about that publicity, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. very interesting the timing of when the film started being made and the deaths of certain family members. Um, really, really fascinating. Yeah, of uh, Ed in particular, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean, we all know, we all have our families, right? All of our families have the family dynamics. So I don't even want to get into that with them because I don't even, I can't even imagine what their family dynamics were like. Like, you know, that's, that's just, uh, I think my family is a little bit odd, but I'm sure they've got a lot going on with their family dynamics. Um, there's some shadiness there. But anyway, like, yeah. all right. So, so back to the real life possession stuff. Um, yes. Ronald Doe, we dove into that, and and we will definitely dive a little bit deeper in that. I want to get this guy's book, and I'll send you the link for that um, yes, after please. this conversation. Yeah, I really want to dig a little bit deeper in that. But here we are on another one that you threw out to me that I am not familiar with, and that's uh, Anna Eklund. What can you tell yes. me about that one? Yes. So Anna is an American woman, um, and supposedly she has she well she was uh she's passed away at this point she's deceased uh she died in 1941 um she basically had multiple exorcisms performed on her uh i it basically the idea was is that she is either possessed by the same demonic possession multiple times or she um she was just having the same thing over and over and over which is really fascinating in itself uh that this idea of it but again we're seeing this right this vomiting and felt of re uh speaking multiple languages unknown to her normally um that's it's wild it absolutely superhuman strength and yeah. uh um i i think the other one was uh hidden hidden knowledge and when i say hidden knowledge like um I'll I'll use uh, Kate Bat's uh, Bell Witch uh, as a prime yes. example, where they ask the spirit, "Well, tell me what's going on with my friend in England." And then two minutes later, the spirit returns and says, "This is what your friend is doing right now." You know that type of hidden knowledge. And what I find interesting is they put those two categories, at least as far as the the Roman Catholic uh, exorcism handbook goes, is they put those in two different categories unknown languages and knowledge of things that they shouldn't know. So language is its own complete separate category, mm -hmm. which I yeah. found interesting. Yeah, uh, I've is. actually ordered a copy of the, the Roman exorcism rites. So Ooh. whenever we, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want me to send you one? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. They're stuff. cheap. Like another, I got this. <laughs> another book, another book to add to my pile. Absolutely. It's super quick. Uh, however, this is also going to bring us back into the. Uh, I'm not even going to try to say the right name. The Witch's Hammer. Oh, yes. I can never pronounce that either as well. Um, Maleficus Maleficus or something yeah, of the sort. I yes, don't... I know, dear listeners. I screwed that up. Shut up. Just 
deal with it, please. <laughs> you speak fluent Latin or whatever it is. I, oh, I butcher the Latin. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing. I, I have nothing. Uh, my language skills have severely degraded over the pandemic. So, right. so um, you know, uh, as we move further on this subject, eventually I would like to to peel back the layers and do a little bit more research into each and every one of these that we have mentioned. And folks, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like the stories of possessions and exorcism tales just in the continental U.S. alone are outrageous. They're, they're pretty crazy. You start looking beyond the borders of our, our dear country and you can see that it's happening everywhere in multiple different ways and in multiple different belief structures, religions, and multiple different methods. The vast majority of them don't really turn out well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. really sad part is a lot of this is not a happy ending for a lot of people. It is. These are real things that truly are. They're not They're not the glitz and glam that you get with Hollywood. Like someone isn't suddenly no longer possessed that exorcism works and they go and they live a full happy life. Usually it is. It's a very tragic ending for people. And it, it really is. And not saying, and not even saying that people actually, like, the amount of deaths is not comforting, but it's not as much as you would expect it to be. But the fact is that the people who go through these things, their lives are shattered. They're never the same anymore. Absolutely. Um, The possessed, the family surrounding it, more often than not, the doctors and uh, spiritual leaders that are brought in to deal with it as well often suffer long-term effects that um, um, essentially chase them down until their last days. Um, It's not a pleasant thing, but it's damn fascinating, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, isn't that true of anything in life? It's always the stuff that isn't always roses and sunshines that really makes you think. And it possessions are definitely one of them. And I mean, that you touched on another point as well, too, the psychology of it and the, the actual yeah. like neuroscience of possessions and the repercussions of being possessed and all of that. And I mean, let's be realistic, psychology wasn't it was still in its infant stages for a lot of this stuff. I mean, it still is, we're still learning so much modern medicine, maybe modern, but it also isn't that old. Like medicine itself is old, but the concepts we work with in today's medical world are very new. I mean, we're just now starting to truly understand the human mind. And so it's really, really easy to see, uh, to, to look at uh, historical references to things like that. And, you know, you can look at a lot of this and be like, definitely schizophrenia, uh, mm-hmm. definitely, you know, uh, severe emotional abuse issues. Uh, maybe there's a dissociative identity order going on there, but they didn't have those frames of reference back in the day. What I find interesting yeah. now is that we move forward and we keep finding um, medical and neurological explanations for a lot of this stuff. But there's also a lot that we can't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I very much want to be a skeptic and be like, no, science can prove everything. But science can't. And I think any good scientist or anyone who works with the sciences can very much say that you have a hypothesis, you need to prove it. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. You simply don't have the proof that you need to prove 
that something isn't correct or it isn't the way you think it is. And we see this a lot even today in medicine and science. And I believe what was it? it was Einstein said the closer, the more he learns about the world around us and the galaxy and the stars, the more he believed in a higher power. It there very much is that concept. So yeah, no, it's the same here. Like I, um, as you know, over the last few years, I've started to do a personal deep dive into the paranormal and the occult and um, the concept of hidden knowledge and things like that. And it's actually brought in, it's it's brought me way closer to the idea of believing in anything you could refer to as a god. But I think I think God is a wrong term for it. Yeah. But there's something think, out there bigger than you and me and all of us put together. We just don't oh, yeah. understand what it is. Yeah. yeah, there there has to be a higher power. Uh, that is that is my personal belief. I will never judge anyone for thinking otherwise, but that's that's just my personal belief. So, internet, please don't come after me. So. George Carlin. <laughs> that's my higher power. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Napalm and Silly Putty. That's my Bible. <laughs> I mean, Silly Putty, that being said, you could. That's what a wonderful. What a wonderful object in the world. <laughs> Brings such joy for something that's so simple. Well, no, actually, that's that's fun. I don't know if I've told you this, but as of late, I've been reading uh, uh, the Discordian Bible. Ooh, interesting. No. How's it going? No. It's. <laughs> yeah, I, or yes. Maybe. It is either. The funniest thing that I've ever read in my life, or it is a satirical hitchhiker's guide to the universe. And I am not joking about that because I've read through it twice. And the first time, it's so just utterly ridiculous. I was chuckling the whole time. But the more you read it, the more you start to realize that there's some really weird metaphysical philosophy going on there. But they're tying it up in tongue-in-cheek humor like at one point i want to say like uh three quarters through the book uh there's this really poignant statement which i'm not gonna waste our time here but at the bottom of the page it says if you think this book is a joke you need to turn the page and or turn the cover over and start from the beginning again (laughs) before you move forward because there is still like a hundred pages and they're like if you think this is a joke, go back. Oh boy. As long as yeah. they're not recommending that you always have a towel, I think we can say maybe it's not Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Always have a towel. Always have a towel. That's, always that's what you towel. need. Don't panic. <laughs> Hold on to your towel. That's all you need to know in life. Right. So we've, uh, we've tackled, uh, some of the real world world examples, which we'll definitely do a deeper dive uh, a little bit further down the road. Now, we've also kind of tackled into different belief structures and how the concept of possession is kind of global in that yes. sense. Um, and so uh, I, I need to be honest here and say, uh, Janelle, you're the one who came up with this outline, and I'm so glad that you did because it uh, it was way better than I would have been able to pull off with the amount of hours that I'm working these days. So I really appreciate that. But there, there was something else that um, 
you have listed on here, and I'm not sure if we have time to dive into it tonight, but Lilith and the cult of Lilith, and for that matter, the cult of the Virgin Mary. Is this yes. something we need to do a deeper dive on later? Absolutely. I mean, it's really, really difficult to just kind of get into it without getting into it. Um, to give a little teaser, basically Lilith is seen as a demonic figure in sort of Judea Judaism, right? But at the same time, um, we even see her in like really common like stereotypes and media here. If anyone has been watching the new version of the Chilean Adventures of Sabrina, uh, which I know, I know it's very lowbrow, but at the same time, the first season. As an occultist, I can say whoever did their fucking art design knows what they were doing because yes. the sigils were right. The, Bravo to you. <laughs> right? Like, I love the first season. And then we get a little too Riverdale-y and like a little too like kitschy for my taste. But still, we see Lilith. Lilith is part of the show. And I think the whole idea, if you don't know who Lilith is, definitely have a read. But she is sort of considered to be the first wife of Adam. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. is basically, she's the mother of demons. And again, we're seeing this this female figure as sort of the bad guy, uh, which is, I mean, we're talking ancient text, religious text. Again, women are being vilified. Now, um, what was it why, uh, why Lilith was being so negatively looked at? It was because of her, her, free will nature right yes before it was granted right yes exactly she didn't really kind of to put in excuse my game of thrones reference but she wouldn't bend the knee if you will um so (laughs) she she basically just she was a free spirit and she was like nope i'm gonna do these things the way i want to um and she went off and she did that and because of that she was banished right and so she was there when Lucifer fell, which is interesting right. to see again this concept, this interweaving of stories between Judaism and Christianity and other religions as well too, and these characters who sort of just seem to pop up everywhere. It's interesting. They all share so many of the same stories; they just have different names and references for them. Exactly, yeah. which is, I mean, in itself, very, very fascinating. Um, yeah. But it is, it's she's basically been banished and things like that. Um, And so of course, when we see this, we see the cult of Lilith, which is sort of like the following of her, which alternatively we have the other side of that coin, which is the cult of the Virgin Mary, which is sort of this idea. Which I've never heard of before. Oh, the cult of the Virgin Mary is one of my favorite weird facets of history. Um, Basically we come to sort of the medieval era and I would argue even we could go so far as the Renaissance era as well too. And people become obsessed with the Virgin Mary. And so they become this cult around her. And I mean, everything fasting and there's, it's such a fascinating concept and like almost this mindset that people had, um, which that being said, of course, we're getting into like medieval era, we're coming around like the year 1000. A lot of people thought they were going to die. They thought the apocalypse was happening. The end was nigh. This is why we say, oh man, we die in 2000. Wait, wait, no, man. We die in 2012. Right. I mean, it is. It's there will always be people who are like the end is nigh. That's that will always be a part of our world. Um, the end is always nigh. Always. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, the, being said, the cult of the Virgin Mary as well too. It's it really, really fascinating. 
And it is one of those things I would love very much to have someone who is of religious background. Again, I'm speaking as an art historian. I didn't grow up with these stories or these beliefs. Uh, and so I'm looking at it from an outsider perspective. And I would love if we can bring on, I think you know our colleague well, is uh, who oh, who is in fact a minister and is very open about discussing these things. And so it would be a delight to be able to have him sit down and really talk through it with us uh, because he is incredible. He's an incredible resource, an incredible man. Um, and has great insight into all of these religious beliefs that I may not have, or even Absolutely. yourself as well too. I know you dabble in other things beyond sort of the traditional Christian and other. Oh yeah, like I, I mean, you, you could definitely define me as an occultist, but mm-hmm. um, if you if you start to really look into what the concept of uh, occultism or you know occult belief structures is, uh, it is. In my own personal definition, it is looking at all of the belief structures and then trying to rip down the things that were man-made and start trying to piece the puzzle together of a larger thing. Because if you look into any major religion, any major belief structure, it's all the same thing. You know, don't hurt each other. Take care of each other. Take care of the world around you. It's all pretty simple. Uh, It's when mankind's fallible selfishness that uh, comes into play where people who are so quick to follow others, that's where it gets ugly. Now that's something we'll definitely talk about in great detail further down the line. And um, uh, as far as the uh, occultism goes, I have a lot to say about that, but we're going to say that for a little bit later down the line. And when I say a little bit later down the line, I think now we can give the reveal of what's really going on here. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think we can. <laughs> okay. So, uh, friends, fiends, and lovers of strange and wonderful things, this is going to be an ongoing conversation um, with no set date, with no set time, but you can expect at least a few of these popping up every year. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's it's an opportunity for Janelle and I to dive into the weirder side of art history and also how that plays into uh, occultism and religious and belief structure history, which it's amazing how much that overlaps. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Absolutely. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll be diving back into this uh, in much greater detail in uh, first quarter of next year. Um, we are all going into holiday time. I know that I am going into it's time to end season one time, uh, which means I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break while I go and chase ghosts out in the Midwest. More on that later. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a long-standing curiosity of mine, and something that I definitely attach to, especially the deeper that I get into. Um, different religious and spiritual practices, and you understand how broad the spectrum of the subject is. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to dive further into this. Janelle, I want to thank you so much for joining me tonight. Do you have any closing thoughts or ideas or comments or teasers that you want to uh, to let all of these weirdos know where we're going? <laughs> well, first off, thank you for having me. This has been an absolute delight, and I'm really looking forward to sitting down and talking about this further this has also been a passion of mine forever and ever and usually this is how i chase people away at cocktail hours 
is being like, let's talk about possessions. And they're like, all right, I think someone's calling me. I got to go now. Bye. So this is, but you know, this is wonderful. But to if have. you put you and us in the same bar in Brooklyn and we're going to be the magnet yeah. for everybody there. Right. It is. It's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Uh, people usually walk away going fascinating. Um, absolutely kill it at trivia night every time. Uh, but absolutely. No, I think this is great. And I think this is a really, I'm very intrigued to see where we can go with this because I know there are lots of things that I, as a historian and art historian, I know on, but at the same time that you know more on various topics that I may never have heard of. And I think this is a great melding of the minds. And I know we both have resources at our advantage that maybe we can perhaps have others. Um, I'm really desperately hoping a colleague of mine who is a neuroscientist would be open to discussing uh, possessions as well too, which would be fascinating. That would be amazing to have somebody from from that level of the medical industry talk about the um, the uh, the ability to map out neurological events as they were happening and see how that plays out. That yes. would be fascinating. Yeah. It would be again the idea of science playing into this would be is something that I think needs to be discussed. I think so many times when we talk about possessions, we don't talk about the sciencey bits of it. And that's, that's an important part. It needs to be discussed. Well, you know me, like if, uh, if I'm approaching anything that is paranormal, supernatural, I do want to provide, uh, either real world experience or, you know, experience investigators offering their opinion. Um, the, the goal for me in all of this is to dig a little bit deeper and let's, Let's figure out what the truth and the reality of it is, even if that's not what we expect it's going to be. Absolutely. Like I said, that's you can have a hypothesis, and as soon as you start testing things, it may not prove or disprove it, but you got to do the homework. Um, and I think that's yeah, great man. about this. And it, also, if this is my jam, I love these things. Like I said, I'm doing the episode uh, at the end of this week on Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on um witchcraft and understanding witchcraft in colonial America, as well as things yes. like Salem, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, also Terrytown, Sleepy Hollow. So all of the spooky New England things. And folks, this episode should be coming out this same Friday that she is ref referencing. It should be out in your podcast feed by the time you wake up on this glorious Friday. So if you are listening to this right now, we are talking about the same day, so be sure to catch up with Janelle on Friday night. You're not going to want to miss it. I can categorically say it's one of the only reasons I keep coming back to Fireside. So, oh, thank you. Well, that's also one of the re you're one of the reasons I keep coming back to Fireside as well. It's well, you've got eventually good stuff, I'll do man. more there, but I got lots going on on the outside yes, right now. Yes, you have so many exciting projects. So thank you again for being <laughs> able to squeeze me in on this. Don't tell anyone. Shh, I they can't know yet. Now, no, uh, Janelle, uh, before we wrap up here, just one more time. And of course, I'm going to add this into the show notes. But if you can tell our listeners where they can keep track of you. Absolutely. you. I haunt Instagram. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, I, I, <laughs> exactly. You set uh, me up for that. I did. I walked right into that one. Um you can find me. My Instagram handles are at uh, the curious art historian and at boozy art historian. Uh, boozy art historian is where you can follow my podcasts. Curious art historian is where you can find lovely artworks with little fun facts of art history involved. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I really got to say like those of you who have uh, 
Fireside is still locked into Apple at the moment, right? Correct. Okay, so if you have an Apple device, uh, definitely um, click on the link in my bio to uh, request access as a listener, things like that. You can contact me directly so so long as you can promise that you're not going to be an asshat on stage. I'm happy to share my... um, uh, my invite link with you, but, uh, uh l- l- let me be honest and say, I, I can, <laughs> I can smell bullshit a mile away. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you can guarantee I will not, uh, connect you with me or Janelle, uh, unless I can vouch for you. But that being said, um, this is actually the beginning of, uh, multi-part series, and I, I think this now here we are at the the full official announcement. Is that uh, possession really does kind of um, the concept of it sinks our hooks into both me and Janelle, and we want to do a deep dive into it, not only in the history and not only in the real world experience. Uh, if you want to really double up on it, then you got people like me who are literally putting themselves in positions to maybe let it happen to them. Eh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Just a little side of possession. Uh, pff, I am pretty much guaranteeing that any demon who pops into my head for more than 45 minutes is going to be like, fuck it, dude. I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I'll even Never. leave you five bucks. Oh, yeah, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, guys, be sure to uh, follow Janelle at all of her places. Uh, You all already know where to find me. Folds and Floods, XV Planets, Instagram, Twitter, yada, 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 Face face Cult, all that stuff. Um, You know where to find us. And thank you for listening. Janelle, thank you so much for coming up on stage with me tonight. Uh, I've been trying to get you over here for a while and I could not think of a better way for us to start off. Well, thank you. Flood. This has been amazing. And I'm really looking forward to the rest of the series. So. Yeah. Which you can expect that uh, next year because me and this person, we're going to take a break. Yeah. The, a well-deserved break. We'll talk to you all in the new real. year. <laughs> Well, just remember, it could be worse. You could have no opposable thumbs. That is true. That is very true. Be there. Right. Stay around at Thanksgiving and say thankful for my thumbs this year. That being said, friends, I don't do the live well, laugh often, love much. So we'll go with do it that will should be the whole of the law. Love is the law. Love under will. There is no law beyond do it thou wilt. But really think about those words. And not just Crowley's shit-poor interpretation of them. A couple announcements before we go. Uh, The XV Planets investigation crew of myself, Walker, and Alejandro, who you met on the Sally House episode where we talked about the paranormal road trip and what's going to be happening over the course of winter solstice. We will be streaming live on Fireside from Trophy Brewery on Maywood here in Raleigh. And uh, we invite you to come out and share your experiences with us. This will be the first time the trifecta. This is also a welcoming party to Alejandro, who is going to be a more permanent member of our investigation team now that he's 
over here in Alejandro. We can't wait to have you. Uh, so it's a great way for us to uh, connect with the community and uh, talk the spooky. So if you live in the Research Triangle, and if you're available on November 14th between the hours of 5 until whenever we drop or they ask us to leave, come on down to Trophy on Maywood in Raleigh and look for the three weirdos uh, lined up with mics in front of them. And if you have a story to share, Come on down and share it with us. Come and have a brew. Stay for the booze. Take care of yourselves, friends.